Welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. How does the public service get rid of all the stuff that it buys? How does it manage surplus items? Helping me to learn more about that is Jose Doucette. Jose Doucette joined the public service in 2009, following a full and rewarding career in the Canadian Armed Forces. She worked within the Department of National Defense as a senior policy analyst and advisor in the area of material management. She also worked as a senior procurement authority responsible for the management of a variety of contracts, including optimized weapon system management, repair and overhaul, and foreign military sales. Jose joined the Public Services and Procurement Canada in 2014 as the GC mail manager responsible for the divestment of surplus controlled goods and specialized assets, both domestically and internationally. Jose has been in leadership roles throughout her career and most recently took on the role of GC Surplus Senior Director in March 2020. She takes great pride in GC Surplus's increased leadership role in material management. Welcome, Jose. Thank you for having me today. Can you describe your journey and how you got to your current role? Give us more context. <laughs> sure. So I joined the military. First of all, I'm originally from Laval, Quebec, which is a suburb of Montreal. And I joined the military in 1983 with the Youth Training Employment Program. So basically, it was, uh, you know, wanting to go explore the world, but wanting to be paid for it <laughs> is the way I kind of viewed it at the time. I joined as a safety systems technician in 1985. And from there, my, I've been completely passionate about procurement and material management. It's something that speaks to me on many levels from a uh, stewardship perspective. So I spent 25 years in the Army and I worked uh, here in the National Capital Region from a policy perspective and from an uh, inspection perspective. And I was able to do tours in Kosovo, Afghanistan, you know, a variety of exercises. I've worked with the combat engineers and the service battalions and stuff like that. So I was very blessed to have a very well-rounded career in the military. And then when the time came to make the jump, I did so reluctantly. I was promoted and I had to leave my family yet again. And I had young children at the time and they were, my, my daughter at the time had asked me why I was the, the mom that was always away. And that kind of hit, hit close to home. And uh, so my husband and I at the time, we, we, you know, we decided on perhaps the public service career would be best suited for me. So that's what I did. I did a competition and became a PG4 with the Department of National Defense. And, and the rest, you know, as I say, is history. So I worked in policy and material management as a PG4, and I, you know, became a PG5 quite quickly. And um, I was part of the initial, at the time, it was the, the, the implementation of DREAMUS, of SAP within the supply system. And so that had a lot of challenges, but it really allowed me to delve into 
so many issues that the Department of National Defense was having at the time. And this was coupled with my experience at the time as the supply investigation team lead there. So, so I did that. And then I, I moved from policy to procurement. And I had quite a bit of procurement experience, but at the local level. So, and when I say local level, I mean at the, the regional level within the Canadian Armed Forces. So at the time, you know, all national contracts or capital acquisitions were all done by the NCR. And so it was not something that I was really familiar with. I was asked to join the team that managed the Hercules contracts as their team lead. And so that was my foray, if you will, into the national procurement world. And it was three years of very long days and very long weekends and, you know, a lot more traveling still. And in some instances, a steep learning curve, but in others, not so much. But what became really clear to me is the reality was, is that most of my procurement officers didn't even understand their material management responsibilities within their role. It was like, nobody was doing it. And so I slowly started building a material management program within the Hercules team. And that kind of grew, it morphed and other teams kind of hopped on. And, and uh, next thing you know, I was, you know, passing that, that, that program to someone else to kind of expand even more, which made me, um, really happy from, the, from a material management perspective. And then I was recruited to join Public Services and Procurement Canada in 2014 as the team lead for GCML. And GCML is responsible for the sale of control goods and specialized assets on behalf of the Government of Canada. And I have to admit, after almost 30 years of Department of National Defense, I was a little bit hesitant, but then I, you know, I, I jumped, <laughs> I, when I jumped both feet in, I realized that GCML email was probably as close to the Department of National Defense and the military that I could possibly go and and be in another department because you know they were our primary clients the language is extremely familiar to me you know I can have a full conversation with you with you know just using acronyms and this remained the case for sure, for sure. And it gave the team a little bit of credibility, I hope, in the fact that when, you know, when we were contacted by our clients and they started talk talking about, you know, contracts, well, you don't know how this works, you don't know how that works. I did. I had, you know, many, many years of experience and I was very blessed to, to be able to recruit, you know, supply specialists that came, uh, that, that worked with me previously in D&D and that were, you know, fantastic in their jobs. And in fact, my team lead at the time is now the GCML manager and uh, is doing a phenomenal job. From there, I did not have a university degree. And so my senior director at the time, uh, hounded me on a daily basis to consider taking the MBA program. And I did so reluctantly because again, three children, full-time job, house, and I just didn't know how I could fit 30 hours of anything into that week, but I did it. And so it was three years of 70 hour weeks and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and I missed games and, you know, walking around in every airport with my computer and and, but I was really blessed in the sense that I did a lot. I was acting senior director quite often. We had uh, the previous director had had a medical event and had to retire. And the new senior director offered me the opportunity to act quite a bit. 
And, and again, it was the same one that provided me the opportunity to take on the MBA. And then when they left, we received two more senior directors. And so during that time, I was doing my MBA and I was privileged to be able to delve into GC Surplus. And, and then in March 2020, the senior director went on vacation and I was asked to, to be acting and I did. And COVID happened. And at the same time, he was offered a promotional opportunity and we were just the world was crumbling around us. So not only did the senior director leave, it was just like, you know, we are a full cost recovery program. And it was, oh my gosh, like, what do we do? And, and that's how I came to be the senior director. Thankfully in uh, a year, like six months after, or six or eight months after I became the acting senior director, as part of the you know, staffing process was undertaken, I was privileged to be able to take to do an interview with the ADM. And I, I'm, I'm very cognizant that it's not a typical path, but it's one that I think it gives me a really, a different, a different view of the material management community because, you know, I've swept the warehouse and, you know, and, and I've managed the budgets, you know, from, from the whole gamut I've done. It, so. Wow. That's, that's quite the experience you have there. How would you say GC mill and GC surplus are similar or different? First of all, GC mill is one of the service lines of GC surplus, right? So GC surplus has four service line and GC mill is one of them. But the biggest difference is that GC mill takes a lot of time. Like a sale could take two or three years to negotiate. You're working with foreign governments. You're working with, you know, third party transfers with the Department of State often. So, you know, regardless of who you're, you're dealing with, the states are involved. So you, so you can just imagine if you have political instability in the states, it affects your ability to sell a Canadian asset to a completely different country, you know? So, and you have to be cognizant of, you know, political, every political consequence of your action. And so, you know, and then we started dealing with industry and, you know, and it was just a, a NATO. So that was one of the things that, that I started while I was part of GC Mill is that NATO had user groups for sales that we didn't take we didn't partake in and with my colleague at the directorate of supply chain operations at dnd and i worked really hard we went to you know we went to luxembourg and we pitched our idea and we were able to to join the nato user groups which really expanded the gc mills visibility we came we became part of the catsi so the canadian the association of defense and security industries they have a huge event every year we were able to be part of the canada booth so there was a lot of you know expansion at the same time but again the sales could take six months or it could take three years intellectual properties is considered there's so much considerations whereas gc surplus uh a sale can take seven days <laughs> so there's a lot you know there, there, it's more finite and and again i i really have to tip my hat off to the gc mill team because it can be frustrating when you're dealing with a sale that can take up to two years because there's so many departments involved in so many different aspects. But at the same time, the, the pace of GC surplus is completely different. So yeah. it's, it's, I, I think they're both great, great business lines. Wow. And regardless, whether it's a small team in GC mill or the bigger part of the GC surplus community, the morale was really key. How does GC surplus work? 
So GC Surplus is the government's divestment program for surplus assets. So that includes forfeited assets to the crown. So uh, those are the types of assets that really draw the, you know, the, the, the public to the website. But we have four business lines and they're all accessible through gcsurplus.ca. We have GCML, and again, that's a restricted website that, you know, you have to be controlled goods registered, and there's a whole bunch of criteria. Uh, you have to be allowed to hold control goods, so on and so forth. We have GC Transfer, which is the, the platform that, that allows government departments to transfer interdepartmentally, as well as public servants to log in and you know they, they could possibly see a chair there that they want for example they can contact the material manager and get that chair transferred to them then we have gc donate that's our our newest our, our newest addition and i i one that i hold very dear to my heart and of course there's gcsurplus.ca which is the online auction piece and assets are declared surplus by various uh, government bodies and we, we advise them on which divestment approach they should take. The, you know, we've worked very closely with the Treasury Board on new policy, on, on the processes that have to be taken. So the new processes that, that come into effect in May of 2022 requires that transfer be considered before sale. So it's transfer, then sale and then donation. And we provide government bodies a rebate. So we don't keep that money. We provide that back to the government, to the government departments. We keep what we need to, to pay for our administrative services in accordance with the Surplus Crown Asset Act. Mm -hmm. And then, and then everything else gets returned to the government departments. So they're able to fund new purchases or trips or training or whatever the case may be with their used assets. So how spectacular is that? That's and on top of that, we are keeping things out of, you know, out of landfill. So yeah. that's essentially how GC Surplus works. Hmm. Wow. Who can purchase from GC Surplus? Anyone, really. If you're over the age of 18, you can register and purchase from GC Surplus. And we currently have over 99,000 users registered across the world. What are some misconceptions that you've heard about the programs that you run? Well, I've heard things like that we rig the auctions or that employees purchase from the website or I've heard that we have a large cache of money at the end of the rainbow somewhere. <laughs> so first of all, it's our mandate to be open and transparent. Previously, we used to do closed auctions and I can understand why that would create misconceptions. Though I can assure you that even when they were closed, they were completely uh, transparent and open and adhering to policy. But with the new live open bidding, it's literally not technically possible for anyone to rig the auctions that the bids are live if you bid on something you see who's bidding against you and you know you're you're allowed to put whatever parameters that you want to like a maximum bid or or uh, that interests you and the clearing departments are provided uh, the full revenues back once we deduct the administrative costs and if there are any amounts left at the end of the year the money is returned to the consolidated revenue fund so we are 100% cost recovery, but we are 100% revenue neutral. Wow. We don't make any money. My job is to make wow. government money. Yeah. Your aim is to get the best bang for the buck for the government, 
Like I want people to to bid more. I want countries, you know, our industries to bid against each other. So, but at the same time, we need to consider the overall best value to Canada. So if I have someone that bids a million dollars and I have somebody else that bids $500,000, but they're going to offer jobs to Canadians, is it just money that's considered? Mm -hmm. So we worked really hard with Treasury Board to come up with the right language. Uh, to use in new policy. And we've agreed that while money, of course, is always the primary focus in the sense of getting back, back the best value to the crown, but the overall best value to the crown is what needs to be considered. Wow. Why is the work you do at DC Surplus so important? Well, I think, I think it's so important because we're really, we're working so hard to divest unnecessary waste from landfills you know we were working with government bodies to help canadian public and to help promote and support the second-hand economy second-hand marketplace mm -hmm. the government is working hard to go green and i think we're an ex ex excellent example of how to do that while saving the government money canadians money and putting money back into the government there's still a lot of work to be done yeah. The upcoming projects, I think, handle a lot of the gaps in the program. But really, again, it's just what a great way to ensure that things don't go into garbage. You yeah. know, when we have used chairs that can be used or can be dismantled for the wood or for the metal, you know, we have scrap metal contracts. We have, we sell used oil, kitchen oil. We sell, like it's the, the gamut of what we sell. Things that are seized at the border, you know, forfeited to, to, to the crown. You know, what would you, what do you do with all of that stuff? <laughs> you know, yeah. well, you sell it on gcsurplus.ca. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what would you say is one of the things that you enjoy about your work? I think, first of all, the thing I enjoy most about my work is that I'm extremely blessed to be supported by just a great team, a great community of material managers that have vision and that are indulgent of, of my want or need to, to push the program forward. They're right there with me and they come up with such great ideas and I'm really proud of that. I love seeing all the new and interesting things come through and being able to reach all levels of government because we work with municipal governments, we work with provincial governments, and I'm very passionate about greening. I'm very passionate about material management, so I get to stay in that. I get to help our environmental goals. I have great pride in knowing that I, I, I can do a little bit to help the country achieve its goals. Yeah. I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's no, so it's true. true. Yeah, if it speaks to you, yeah. You spoke about the variety of things that uh, you sell through GC Surplus. What's one of the strangest things you've seen being auctioned on the website? So we've sold planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> and But I have to say, the one that kind of like sticks, <laughs> sticks in my mind is uh, horse AI. So we sold the RCMP horses that were retired or, you know, didn't, didn't suit the coloring or so on and so forth. But we also sold some AI. And that was really interesting. I never thought that I would, I would be selling horse semen, <laughs> but we did. And, and again, it was, uh, was a great success. 
And every day, every every single day, I, I go on the website and I go, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a great comms team. We have a Facebook account. So again, I encourage your listeners to follow us and to, and to comment. But we are now able to, and we're the first ones to have our, our own Facebook page. So I put as many interesting items on there as possible. Okay. Yeah. What challenges have you faced managing your portfolio and how did you overcome these challenges? Like most of my colleagues in the last two years, COVID was and still is an immense hurdle that we had to overcome as a cost recovery organization. We were essentially shut down for the first six months and last year, but we managed to pivot in such a way that we were still able to serve the government in a safe and secure manner and make use of our team. So we had our warehouses, especially within the NCR hub, but all across Canada, receive and distribute the PPE that was purchased for the federal government. So eventually they did hire a company, but we had truckloads, tractor trailers arriving and nobody knew where to send them. So we opened up our doors and in a matter of a week, week and a half, you know, while everybody was still kind of like trying to figure out what to do, we had to develop a return to work guideline, a how to interact in the warehouse guidelines. We worked very closely with occupational health and safety, the unions, the EAOP. I don't think there was anybody that we didn't consult on how to do this. We had no model to follow. Nobody was back at work yet but we were able to do it and we were able to move over 40 million pieces of PPE in a really short amount of time. We shut down the auctions, which had never been done before. The staff was phenomenal. We, we facilitated transfers between the departments. And yeah, so again, that's certainly one of our greatest successes. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, one of the other challenges that we had that COVID has now helped alleviate is communication. You know, I have a national team or a national program. We have nine warehouses across Canada, coast to coast to coast. And previously it was all done by telephone. And, you know, we have MS teams now. So we're all working under the same umbrella. I've developed a matrix organization. So now, you know, if somebody in BC needs help, we've been able to connect with each other more frequently. And we've been able to kind of set up that support system that uh, everyone needs. And in the meantime, the work that we did with COVID, I think bought us a lot of goodwill in the sense that we bent over backwards and continue doing so to assist our colleagues because it's the right thing to do. One of the things I, I always re remind my team is that we are all on the same team. Like we're all working for the government of Canada. We are all trying to, to do our best and we need to work together yeah. because it's only that way that we're going to get better. Absolutely. Working together is so great. Yeah. And uh, speaking to COVID, forcing new changes upon you. I know, yes, even within the RCN where I work within my procurement unit, yeah, we've definitely moved to being more flexible, improving our communications through the use of technology. The, the, the pandemic has kind of made us uh, rethink how we do our normal day-to-day -day tasks. For sure. I let go of our downtown offices within a few months. It's, mm -hmm. it's $300,000 that as cost recovery organization that I was paying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we don't need it. We have a warehouse. If you want to go into work, you can go into the warehouse. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. 
What cool initiatives are you currently working on? The newest kid on the block, I think the one that is dearest to my heart is the GC Donate platform. I mean, this is one that initially came out of basically asking, is there a way to donate? And we said, well, we'll, we'll see if we can find a way. So initially it was going to be the same type of thing as a GC transfer. A GC transfer has also grown since then, but it was going to be basically like a Kijiji platform where we connect. And it quickly became evident that that wasn't going to be enough for GC transfer and GC, GC donate. So we've really expanded this service line and where government departments are able to put items up for donations and registered charities, First Nations, other government departments, United Nations, treaty organizations, I mean, you name it, they can submit a request for these items. The concept pilot was two years ago with the RCMP and first aid kits. Um, and now we have over a thousand registered organizations and 196 donations to 95 unique registered users and mostly PPE. So, you know, being able to donate PPE to those in need is, it speaks to me uh, intrinsically. We successfully piloted the donation of food crops with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and Food Banks Canada. So that's one of the things that makes me the proudest. So we've like, there's 8,000 pounds of food that we've facilitated the donation of this year that reaches every province, every territory and, and helps feed those in need. For me, that is what makes GC Surplus special. And these are not things that we charge for. GC Transfer, GC Donate, these are all things that are paid for through the sale of surplus crown assets. So how great is that? That I can get rid of a chair, but it allows me to donate potatoes. And, and now we're working on a sustainability reporting dashboard. So that's the, that's our next big thing that I, I, I'm working on with the team is where you're, you're going to be able to go on the website and see like a ticker dashboard and see how province by province, how, how well we're doing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll have to add your website to my bookmark pages and make sure I go back to them quite frequently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How can listeners find out more information? Well, first of all, visit gcsurplus.ca, bookmark it, <laughs> and return every day because every day it's something new and interesting. They can follow us on Twitter. They can subscribe to the Facebook page. They can email us at info at gcsurplus.ca. They can call us and I'll say it slowly so that uh, they can write down the information, but at one 844 9911385 as well as like the way you found out about us so GC surplus is often featured as part of the Canadian Institute for procurement material management either national or regional workshops we have a master class so i invite listeners to register with sipim and and learn more about us and learn more about material management as a whole there's a mentorship program that's going on right now with sipim that is just wonderful that they can learn more things from but from a GC surplus perspective you know just visit the website and it says contact us and you know what yeah one day hopefully soon we'll be able to have our open houses again we had open doors like uh, one day kind of garage sales so hopefully we'll be able to do that again and then at that time they can come and visit the warehouses oh that's very cool that would be very cool indeed it would any, be any call to action to listeners just remember 
that first of all, supporting GC surplus and purchasing through our auctions, or if you're a government department, divesting as you should when things become surplus, it allows us to really help the secondhand economy, keep things out of waste fills. We have a battery recycling program that again, I encourage all departments to join in. So essentially not only can you find amazing deals on some incredible items on the website, but really you're helping, you're helping the planet. You're helping Canada go green. And there's nothing better than helping your planet. <laughs> At least I think so. Oh, I tell you. No, I, I am with you 1000%. 1000%. I'm very, like I said, I'm very proud uh, of the work that we do and uh, all the work that my team does across the country. Well, you've answered all the questions I had for today. So thank you so much for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will leave with a quote of the day today, which is from Paul McCartney, the singer, songwriter, musician who once said, bye, 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 says the sign in the shop window. Why, 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 says the junk in the yard. So with these, with GC Surplus, I think that we're finding value in that junk and making sure we're, we're enriching the lives of Canadians while also helping our planet. Beautiful, so. <laughs> fantastic.